shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Uta puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we are here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars. And today, we're doing another double book review. That's right. I know. Usually we start off with a little bit of spiel, how you doing, how am I doing, all that kind of stuff. But look, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. We got two books, we got a butt ton of freaking news. So let's just do it, man. Let's do a little bit of recent Star Wars news, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. First subject of the day, and this has been going on for a while. I've been seeing uh, links for it, but Star Wars Secrets of the Jedi is a new book of incredible detail and lore for the long history of the Jedi Order. It reviews everything from force powers and abilities to his personal experiences from Luke Skywalker himself. And by that, I actually mean it's, it's written in the way to make you believe that Luke himself wrote it. Yes. So, I mean, I I know I sent you a few links and we were looking into it and stuff like that, but I mean, what's your takeaway from like the still Im- images of the book itself? Well, I think it looks really cool. Um, I had a, well, I still have it. I, it's not like I got rid of it. <laughs> and it's called like Star Wars Jedi versus Sith or something like that. It was like an old expanded universe book. Ooh. And it delved into a lot of expanded universe characters who don't exist anymore. Um, in, in some of their special force powers. But yeah. it kind of reminds me of that, but from a much more unique perspective because it's being told by Luke. Which would make, I mean, it would make the ultimate sense. If he's the real last Jedi, you know, he has to have the record of what's going on and what's happened and all this kind of stuff. So one of the big deals, I don't know if we should really say as much, is just the fact that, like, I mean, we already know from Last Jedi at the very least, yeah. that he kept communication with Yoda and other Force ghosts. But regardless, uh, I mean, it, it, it tells the experience that he has, you know, maturing his skill and everything post-Return of the Jedi and just where he was at, I'm sure. And, I mean, let's just get into the images themselves. Like, the images were pretty, like, stellar. Yeah. I, I love the fact that they were able to really project how everything looks Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the best part of it. Like, so I guess we should state like it, this is not so much a novel as so much as it's like, I mean, not a picture book either, but like yeah. an instructional guide. Yeah, I, I think that's know. a fair description for it. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what you would call it. It's just kind of like a collector piece. Like, you probably wouldn't really read it cover to cover necessarily. Good uh, coffee book. Yeah, coffee, coffee table, table book. book. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You put it out there. People can look through the pretty pictures. They can read like a short, <laughs> short thing that they want to read. I mean, I, I know what you were kind of alluding to earlier, but I, and I think we should talk about it because you want to? I think you know it's pretty clear that Star Wars Lucasfilm decided that this is the the image they want you to see. Well, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, mentioned in the book uh, that apparently not only does he have contact with Yoda, but apparently he also has contact with. Obi-Wan Kenobi, yes. and his father, Anakin Skywalker. That's right. The hell is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I am not. I don't want to, like, hypostulate too much. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, that, oh, clearly this means that we're going to, you know, that somehow Vader is going to appear, that, that Hayden Christensen's coming oh, back or God. anything like that. Um, but I do think it so, sort of sets up this notion of, A, it kind of creates a... a 
through line from the prequels to the sequel trilogy. Yes. Something that I think, you know, all of us, and we talked about this last week, it's like, how do you make that through line that actually finally links the prequels to the sequels and not just the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy? I was actually thinking about that, and I think the way that they're going to link it is Kylo Ren's going to find out that C-3PO was built by his grandfather mm-hmm. and thus hunt down C-3PO and start <laughs> scrapping him for parts only to realize that like C-3PO is powered by a kyber crystal and that's going to bring Palpatine back or something <laughs> like that. See, like we had all these theories going last time we came through. I've been thinking. No, seriously though. I, I think this is a good way to really link the three movies together because I mean, it, we've already known from the original trilogy that force ghosts were a thing or at least force projections, however you want to you know really phrase it. But... Uh, Jedi who were you know strong enough in the in the Force were able to access this ability of just you know projecting themselves as ghosts as beings or even projecting their voices from the great beyond from the Force itself if you will so it would only make sense in one way or another that Rey would maybe receive a visit from Luke or even you know Obi Wan Yoda and everything like that maybe even Qui Gon because in all reality Qui Gon was supposed to be the first one to really do it. Right. And, exactly. and like all the detail and everything like that and the minutia and whatever, like Yoda learns about this ability because Qui-Gon comes to see him. Right. In, Which we see in the Clone Wars and we also hear it right. in Revenge of the Sith. In Revenge of the Sith. And like then, Yoda explains it without them showing it. Right. And then if you go into like the Kenobi books and even so much as like we talk about like from a certain point of view, there's a, there's a small short story about Obi-Wan talking to Qui-Gon's projection Mm -hmm. in the Kenobi story. There are interludes where Kenobi's communicating to Qui-Gon, but you don't hear anything from Qui-Gon's side. It's just him trying. Uh So that's a fun little thing. So that was, that was an interesting thing in the expanded universe. Um, So like the very, so cannot like in old EU canon, the first story that takes place after the Battle of Yavin mm-hmm. is called The Truce at Bakura. Yes, yeah, so we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, but so within that story, there's kind of the opening chapter is like Luke having one more conversation with Obi-Wan and then Obi-Wan kind of saying, well, I have to go now as, <laughs> as like kind of a change in terms of how these four spirits might actually work. Right. Um, and from that point on, like if you ever, if you do notice in the old EU, there is really no kind of force ghost communication no but i kind of appreciate that now it's like okay well i'm understanding why if you strike me down i will become more powerful, powerful. than you can even imagine it's most likely because he's, he's able to just become one with the force like everyone wants to be exactly it and basically if any- makes him an eternal being exactly Oops. and that's sorry that's all right that's the one thing that i think the the jedi as a whole strive for is understanding uh-huh. and you know putting themselves to the will of the force and all that kind of stuff. And we've been through this. We know all the, all the situations and everything like that, but this is just another great way of putting a new spin on it. And, you know, it's taking what you already know and just adding a little more, you know, detail to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And, uh, there is a little, like, uh, I don't know, a little, not passage so much, but just like a sentence that was part of the link, uh, Mm. for this, uh, written from, um, Luke's perspective again. I'll just read it real quick. That knowledge was passed down to a select few, including Obi-Wan, Yoda, and my father. Luke writes in the spirits section, Their spirits guided me for many years, but vanished when I shut myself off from the Force. It's a relief to feel their presence after all this time. So it 
sounds like the perspective of this book is like it is written during the events of The Last Jedi. Yes. So that's that's already an interesting thing. And it also adds more credence to, you know, we need to build this universe out of the new trilogy. Mm-hmm. And we only have snippets between the two movies. So it, I like that. I like that it's it's adding more to it because there's just so much to there's so much to explore. Right. So yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I'm I'm excited for that. I just think uh, it'll be interesting to see, and you know, and like I wonder if something will come to pass where, like, we, you know, we kind of hear Luke talking about, oh, I learned this from Master Yoda or from Obi Wan or from my father. Yeah, exactly. Hot take. So, if Hayden Christensen does appear, like, if there is some great twist and like his Force Ghost does actually appear, right? Uh, in in Rise of Skywalker, do you think his chops will be better because he's not being directed, <laughs> directed by, by George Lucas? Right. Yes. I see. That's just it. Like a lot of people give him cre- like credit for what was it? Jumper. I think he did. Like yeah. that was like one of his big after Revenge of the Sith or whatever. Yeah. And like he's pretty decent in it. You yeah. know. And like I mean, he actually kind of received like some. I don't think he was actually formally nominated, but he was like in consideration for like some of the roles he had done even before that. Right. Uh, like my life as a house, I think is one. <laughs> wow. And then, well, he, he starred in two films and like, these are probably like the two biggest roles that he had before that. And one was called my life as a house. And the other one is called the glass house. Oh, he's um, a big house fan. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he was also in, um, factory girl. The movie about, uh, it's like kind of about Andy Warhol and uh, his like one muse woman. I can't think of her name. Well, either way, it's his like go-to model, so to speak. Exactly. I know what you're talking about. I I can't remember her name either. He he plays Bob Dylan, but he's never referred to as Bob Dylan. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I always like looking up local stuff like that. Um, but that's cool. I don't know. I mean, I, I would be excited. Like if, if he actually showed up, I know I would be like, oh, like I would be excited. You yeah. know, I would have that gasp moment, but I would just hope that it, you know, it comes out as, you know, poetry versus, you know, literal garbage. That's, that's basically <laughs> what I'm hoping for. Yes. Um, but you know what? We're talking so much last, uh, last Jedi stuff and, you know, just the new trilogy. Why don't we just lead into the next topic? Sure. Resistance season two trailer revealed. Looks like uh, much more action-packed, uh, high tempo, and potentially it will have uh, it'll put this cast of characters against the First Order much more. And so you're the resident resistance uh, expert right now, yes? Because I have, I only seen like the first two episodes, and I've seen the trailer, and the trailer makes me super pumped. And uh, I mean, further on to that, it looks like it'll be the first glimpse of the universe after the Last Jedi. Which I think we've already said as much that like the end of season one was just about where like the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi meet. Right. So it's it's gonna go on from there, and I love the little note you put: Supreme Leader Ren. Anyone? <laughs> That's it. And also, <laughs> it sucks that it's like the last season. Like it's only yes. had two seasons. Yeah. So they're only going to do two seasons. That's kind of maybe the newsiest takeaway. Well, that and it's coming out in August. Or, right. Not not August. October. I'm October. Sorry. But, I mean, I wonder what the deal is with that. Like, the fact that they only have the two seasons. Or maybe it's just the fact that... Well, go ahead. I, I, you want to say something. <laughs> well, I I mean, I guess the short answer to that is that I have two hypotheses. I mean, I think, one, it resistance resistance has a place so long as there is 
the sequel trilogy going on, mm-hmm. but like I don't know that it needs to exist outside of the sequel trilogy. And since the sequel trilogy will wrap in December, right? we have that. And then secondly, I think it's just like, you know, with the creative talent, creative talents being funneled into clone wars and, you know, potentially there could be some other sequel down the road. Right. Um, you know, that might tie into other Disney plus projects or, well, I mean, we've talked about Dave Filoni has said as much. He's working on more animated yes. you know, material for Star Wars. Yeah, he. I mean, he has quite literally said that he was working on another show along with the Clone Wars. <laughs> so, oh, man. Oh. And it's like one interpretation could be that it was Resistance. He is executive producer of that show. But, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that means that he's just getting like the really high-level summaries of what's going to happen. And he says yay, nay, or otherwise. Right, yeah. And so... I mean, in that aspect, you got to love the fact that, like, they're, they are holding it together with a core group, and they know who works and who doesn't, and they, you know, they trust their, their leadership in every way. So, like, I, I just seeing the trailer itself for this, like, the second slash final season, like, it made me pumped. And, like, it did the exact same thing that the season three trailer for Rebels did for me. Uh-huh. Where it's like I didn't really care about rebels, uh-huh. and then season until three, that point. Yeah, yeah, until season three came out, and then it was like, just call me Wedge, oh, you know, and all yeah. of a sudden Hondo, oh, and then like <laughs> at the very end, freaking Thrawn, yeah. and it's like, whoa, so you know, it was like I need to watch this show now, and like knowing that um, Kylo Ren will be making an appearance uh, at some, you know, some way in yeah. this, it's good. It's just like I gotta see it because you know it's gonna matter somehow. You know, it's all connected. Yeah. So I don't know. It makes me excited yeah no i agree i mean i think i I guess the final sort of sense of it only being two seasons is like i just wonder if you know i mean the first season isn't amazing i mean the final like six episodes or so Mm -hmm. i think are well worth your time yeah um and maybe like maybe like the first two and then the last six all right, so like you would say the first two are just world building. Yeah, exactly. To kind then, of get a sense of the Colossus and what's going on there. And then before the last six, it's just all filler. Yeah. Like how it always goes. Yeah, and it is, I mean, it's definitely aimed at children in a way that, as we've talked about before, that like the other shows, like Clone Wars and Rebels, aren't necessarily. Yeah. Is there is there actual, like, do you see death in the show? I mean, Yeah. To an extent. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, it's it's not as, you know, maybe kind of savage as what we see in Clone Wars and Rebels. Right. Where, you know, you actually see some, like, fairly nasty stuff. Yeah. And, like, I mean, Clone Wars in particular is, like, yeah, there's a, like, a lot of murder. It's war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's, I mean, there's so many times where, like, someone's like, oh, Ventress, you know, I'm just going to say you had a small part in this. And they get a freaking lightsaber through the chest. It's yeah. like, no, that's not traumatic or anything. Yeah. But I always think about that kind of stuff. And I think about, like, what I, like, what I was watching when I would be about the age that people are expecting to be, you know, watching this show. Dragon Ball Z. Right. You try and go back and watch Dragon Ball Z, and you tell yourself, like, how did we get away with watching this? Yeah. Because it's, like, naked people with tails, and, like, <laughs> and they would honestly just punch holes into people's chests with, like, yeah. energy beams. And it's, yeah. like, that's oh, no big deal. It's just a cartoon. But it's, like, wow. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess the reason I get it is because, like, I heard, like, when... The one one of the reasons that like they weren't going to continue with uh, Clone Wars originally was that it was too violent. Uh-huh. And it's, like, there's... It, the, the word war is in the title yeah. twice yeah mind you but like you know and even for rebels like 
they had they had the you know death and destruction and everything like that, but the scale of it compared to Clone Wars was definitely dumbed down. And right. then I see the you know resistance, and I'm like, well, this is just way too bubbly. Yeah. But I also felt the same way about Rebels, so I feel like. Yeah, I just got to give it that chance. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the changing of platforms. It's like, you know, Clone Wars aired on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it aired in the evening on Cartoon Network, like 8 o'clock on Sundays or something. Yeah, most on. likely. Um, you know, it's like a primetime kind of slot. And, <coughs> and Rebels was on Disney XD, which is targeted at Good kind kids. of adolescents. Right. So. Like, and, and versus like Resistance is on Disney. Yes. So it, it so, is straight up their thing. Yeah. So no. it's, it's definitely for youth so i mean I, I have to imagine that when disney plus comes out later this year that resistance will be on there yeah so it'd be a good time for anyone who wants to see season two to get caught up and especially because you know you want to do that right before the new movie comes out especially if something you know does play into the plot in any kind of way yeah and you also got to imagine they've said as much that a year's happened in between these two movies mm-hmm. so i guess that would make sense that this is the final season like you said yeah. Uh, you had a good example. I'm just I'm just adding on to it. So yeah. no, that's fair. And like I mean, I think there there have been rumors or suppositions that potentially, you know, maybe uh like this cast of characters could meet up with other ancillary sequel trilogy characters such right. as like Zay. Hmm. Uh, Wait, which one's Zay? She is Iden Versio's daughter. Oh, oh man. All right, yeah, you can tell how long it's been since I've played the, yeah. the epilogue. <laughs> it's like some, I forget what levels is, but it's like hard to get through. I think it's the Lando one where it's just like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so I mean, I, I would, I'd be interested in seeing that. I'd be interested in seeing them run across like Poe again or even seeing them, you know, with Finn and Ray if, mm-hmm. if possible. Yeah. Maybe another BB 8 would show up. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? I, 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 it's like I said, it's something to look into and, you know, it, a lot of people are like, they're just, they're amped for it as much as they would be amped for clones or rebels and stuff like that. So it's, it's nice. And honestly, it's nice because you got, you got all the three, uh, eras covered uh-huh. in the way of cartoons. So right. that's, that's a cool way of like story building and getting people into the show and everything like that. Yeah. So. I agree with that. I also agree with people that say that. The only prequels that actually exist are Rogue One and Rebels. <laughs> hey, man, I can go with that. I would throw Solo in there, too. For yeah, Boys Solo Red. exists, yes. But, I mean, it's, it's a more concentrated story yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But All right, speaking of Solo acts, um, I got... Uh, it says here, is it, how would you pronounce this? Would it be V or Vi? I think it's V because I think her last name is Mora D. Mora D. So v Mora D. you want that, yeah, that okay. rhyme sound. V. Morty is going to be the new protagonist of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And yet another novel coming yes. out. Yeah. Another one that's also just based in, uh, in everyone's favorite spot, Batu. Right. Batu is becoming the new Tatooine at it this is. point. Like, I it's think like, they're like trying to move past Tatooine. <laughs> it's just a desert. Yeah. We got big black spires. We, we, we don't need this anymore. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, she's it, the, yeah. The actual name of the book is Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge, and I mean, essentially, all it is is V. Morty is uh, she's a spy for the Resistance, the best spy that they have. Yes. Um, it's surprising that she hasn't made it into Resistance TV show yet. Right. Well, that was actually going to be my segue. <laughs> sorry, you took it from me. Segue. Well, sorry. it's too late now. All right. Sorry. 
we were, it was when we were talking about like how everything was related or meeting with other characters from, yeah, from other sequel material. I won't lie. I was waiting for you to do it. That's, I guess it's my fault. It's okay. We need like eye contact or something. Yeah. Or whatever, either way. So yeah, uh, V. Morty. Uh, so she's she'll be the protagonist of this new book and everything like that. She's the best spy that they got in Resistance. She'll be hunting down a lead on Batu. That's that's about the long and short of it, right? Yes. Yeah. But the fun fact is she this is not her first outing. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but she she appears in the Phasma book. I read something about that. Right. I, I did read this article. Okay. And I think they referenced that. Exactly. And they, they well, so the fun part is like they, they had an excerpt from the book. I, I, I lost that article. I forget where I read it, but there was like a small excerpt from the book. Um and it was talking about her teaming up with a character. I can't remember the character's name, but it turns out the character that uh, Leia named to team up with V is actually Cardinal, uh, the red, uh, like, Captain Phasma, if you will, yes. of the First Order that I was, like, obsessed with the one time. So, like, because he's just, like I said, it was just, like, imagine, I don't even know how to put this, like, Imagine like a brother and sister, like an older sister and a younger brother, and the younger brother's just trying to prove himself, and like he knows everything's right, but the other sister outdoes him, and that's the relationship between Phasma and, and Cardinal. Cardinal, and it just turns into a whole thing. But I guess that I mean it's it'll be interesting to see how Cardinal will play into this story because it was already an interesting dynamic that the two had, and I remember reading the book. I was like, there would be times where I forgot like that this whole story was about like cardinal and v just having a conversation uh-huh. because the the bulk of it is just her recounting the story of phasma that she heard like that v heard uh-huh. uh and so i mean it'll be interesting to you know to see how it kind of comes out yes so i mean like she never really knew much about her character other than like the small snippets where it was like present day let's put uh-huh. it that way sure so but i don't know what do you think Are you excited for that yeah, I, I suppose so. I think, um, well, one of the things that I brought up in this is, so, you know, the the name Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is chosen intentionally as well, and she does appear in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the theme park. Really? Yes. Oh, how does that work? Uh, well, so it was weird because, like, you know, at the time, I truly don't think anybody had any concept of who she was. Like, I actually thought, so going back to Star Wars Resistance for literally one second, uh, one of, like, the main characters on that show is her name is Tam Riverin mm-hmm. or Riverin, depending on who says her last name. Tamar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, kind of like, is this like a Tam cosplay or something? Like, I honestly wasn't even certain that the lady playing the role was like, not like was actually a park employee. Cause like, she didn't really have any of like the normal like markings. No flair. Yeah. Right. Um, that maybe that was intentional now. Well, exactly. And I think the point is that when you're there the first time, it's like you're supposed to be confused, but maybe in subsequent visits, you'll be like, I know ah, who that is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, would you say, was she like posted up against the wall? She was doing exactly that. Yes. Like had one knee up and like yeah. had a, had <laughs> yes. a freaking toothpick between her lips and stuff like that. Just I, trying to act yeah. nonchalant. Yeah. That would, that would be me. If yeah. I was doing that, I would just like, that's the way you have, you have to be inconspicuous. Yeah. Just chew on a toothpick. Like I can like visit, like I can visualize her standing against like between like a stall between two shops, just like this little wall kind of thing. <laughs> and I was like, I don't. I don't really understand what she is or who she is. Well, she's in the character. Yeah. I mean, you gotta appreciate that. Yeah. 
That's yeah, like she like drew attention by being kind of so inconspicuous. <laughs> Something inconspicuous. Fly casual. Yeah, I don't know. Fly casual. Oh man, but I mean that's cool. I I I would be interested to see if she actually does become a bigger part of it and like honestly most of the novels that are coming out whether it's young adult novels or just you know ones like we're going to review today mm-hmm. they've been focusing on bat two like you wouldn't believe it's black yeah. spire outpost in particular yes so i i mean i haven't brought it up on the show yet but i, I told you that i recently got an audiobook based on the fact that it was narrated by jim cummings himself uh-huh. it's a hondo onaka audiobook uh-huh. and it's so freaking fun it's so freaking fun because all Jim Cummings does is just be Hondo Onaka telling a story to, uh, uh, I think I, her name is like Satine uh, Nadal or something like that. She's like a bounty hunter in the in the sequel trilogy. Okay. Um, she has her own short story. It's nothing to you know yeah. shrug at. She has a part in The Force Awakens where she actually alerts the First Order that they're at uh, Taco Donna. So if you remember, like, there's, like, that big, like, you know, wide alien just lounging, and then there's, like, like that chick in, like, a black bodysuit. Uh-huh. That's Sabine, or Satine. I forget how her name's actually said. Well, there's a lot of those. It would be kind of lame if it's either of those, because those are both names of other characters. Like, big, prominent characters, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. I, I can't remember if it's, like, Nadine or Nadine or Satine. Like, yeah, but I think I actually do. I remember, like, I know I can visualize who you're speaking of, and mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing something about that. Right. Like, she was, like, a rebel or no, resistance sympathizer or exactly something. yeah she was just like trying to get paid or something like that but yeah. regardless her story is that she's going to find hondo anaka because hondo anaka has the millennium falcon and the millennium falcon is stationed at hondo transport solutions on batu so yes. it's like it's every, everything's I'm, coming I'm full well aware c- of that yeah of course so <laughs> it's to say everything's coming full circle on yeah. it so but yeah, I, I know that there's good, there's going to be a few more like n- n- novels coming through the pipeline, and yeah. most likely they're going to have Batu in one fr- like you know way or <laughs> another know, in some capacity or another. I mean, right. we have the um, I'm trying to think of what the other stories still coming are that like they still haven't really given us anything about. Like there's that Force Collector book. Yeah. Um, and then uh, um, there's I mean there's supposed to be the ones where it's like. Uh, Poe, Rin, uh, Poe, Ray, and Finn are like out on an adventure doing their own thing. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other ones. Because I mean, we talked about this earlier this year. I know that there was just like a yeah. laundry list yeah, of stuff. Yeah, when they announced the uh, journey to the rise of Skywalker or whatever it, right. it is. Because um, that's, I mean, that's when they, that's the core moments when all this yeah. stuff comes out. Yeah. So, and exactly that's what, that's what Hondo Onaka's book is. It's a journey, okay. it's a journey book. Nice. So, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's worth it. And I'll be excited to see what uh, Vi's new novel will be like, because like I said, her character was interesting enough that it, it made me want to know more, especially like I said, because it's, it, they had like a strange dynamic between her and Cardinal. So I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't you know it, we got more freaking Obi-Wan news. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, so I guess before we even jump into that, like, I'm just going to take a moment to say, like, so D23 is this weekend. Oh, yeah. The, the okay. big Disney expo. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. Nice. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, like, I'll be honest, like, I don't think either of us were, were, it was really on our radar or, like, we thought there would be that much big news coming from it. Not yeah. I. And it turns out that we're wrong. Oh, I mean, at least on one front. Yeah. So the, tomorrow they're actually going to be dropping uh, the first trailer 
first official trailer. First official trailer, not the leaked trailer. Right. For the Mandalorian. And I say tomorrow, but this might come out tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, we'll they dropped the trailer today, about... everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. My my hypothesis I is well, I would like to get this out today, which is August twenty second, but we'll see. It might yeah. push to tomorrow. But regardless, yeah. So today, let's just we'll we'll preface it by. Tomorrow slash today, they released a trailer for the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, but and then yeah. on, on top of that, we were speculating that they might also do more for Rise of Skywalker yeah. and some, probably some other Marvel details and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Marvel um, properties and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and I agree probably with, some additional Disney Plus right yeah timelines and information and, and content. Well, that's just it. Like I was like you were saying, like it wasn't really on our radar. Like it really did sneak up on us. Yeah, and I mean it's no there's no fault of anything else because you just never think about Disney celebration. You think about the big ones. You think about you know E3, San Diego Comic Con, all that stuff where like yeah. the major stuff gets yeah, and dropped. Star Wars celebration. Star obviously. Wars celebration, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but like this, yeah, D twenty three, especially with everything that's going on in the past year and what they're leading to at the end of the year. This is going to be their cash cow and everything. This is going to get everyone in, and I do believe that's what they're going to do. Is they're going to just pro- like they're going to prop up Disney Plus that much more, right? Because it has that it has the potential to be focused on that much more. Yes, which so. brings us to the big news, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> earlier this week, uh, someone put out an article, and then somebody else shared that article, and then before you knew it, Geek Tyrant, Nerdist, BuzzFeed, everybody was talking about Ewan McGregor reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Again. Again. (laughs) I mean... Presumably for a TV series on Disney+. Plus. Again, yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, so that's just it. And, like, we've talked about this. We've already talked about it on the show. And it was more in the rumor stage than anything else. And you know what? I'm going to say as much right now that it's probably still in the rumor stage. Until we see him come out on stage at D23 and say hello there to the crowd, I ain't going to believe it. It, I that's swear to God, if why they, I'm here. That's yes. If they don't, if he doesn't do any of his freaking lines, <laughs> the crowd is gonna riot. <laughs> like I'm calling it right now. Yeah. If he doesn't at least say hello there, well, that's just it. I mean, and that's partially. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest, that's part of the thing with D23 though is that like it's mostly reserved. Like it's not quite like Star Wars Celebration where it's just like super fans. Right. There's like. A, I mean, this is as much as anything like an annual stockholder meeting for Disney. Right, yeah. They want to uh, say, like, this is what we're doing, man. Yeah, and, and, and people that are, like, <laughs> part of, like, the vacation club and things like that. <laughs> like, they're like typically, those are the only people that actually get to attend right. this type of event. Um, which is why I'm kind of, like, surprised that presumably they're building towards some big news. Yeah. Um, so, well, so you're probably right, or, like, your caution is warranted, maybe I should say. Yeah, well, it would just because, like, you know, we've been burned. Right. You know, we've talked about it plenty of times, and it's like, you don't know, you never really know if it's going to come true. And, like, you hear rumors every day. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to really, like, sift through and, like, you know, see what's actually malleable versus what just kind of falls through the cracks, you know. And, yeah. like... I want it to be, I want to believe that it's going to happen, and I know through our friend group that you know they want to believe that it's going to happen. But like I said, I won't believe it until they announce him and have him walk out on stage and say hello there and all that stuff. Yeah, I but, mean, I, I, I guess I will take perhaps the more positive spin and just kind of say that I mean, it feels like this time there is somebody with some sort of inside knowledge, right? That is suggesting that you and McGregor could be making an appearance over the weekend that's just it yeah uh, so mean, like that's kind of the way that it's been phrased in some of these reports so that yeah so the the the, the current theory right now and i'm i'm on board with this theory because i mean i just said as much so the fact that like 
they don't want to really officially say anything until you like know he's they, actually like he will may, be the one to make the announcement just come out and hello there and all that stuff and just you know it's like here's the first official image and it's just a picture of him in an armchair or something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah. <laughs> him literally signing just, the document yeah, literally just him like in his normal habitat but wearing like the robes yeah that would be <laughs> awesome it's like here i am doing my w2 all this stuff but no like i, I that would be the that would be the way to just jump and like I know that there's still a lot of people who are Star Wars fans who are not fans of the new trilogy and stuff like that. They're just like they're waiting for waiting for stuff like the Mandalorian, waiting for stuff like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. If this happens, it's gonna just it's gonna yeah, dr- drag them back will, in. Yeah, it'll reset kind of the paradigm that that we're dealing with. You know, right. I th- I th- and I think that's something. I don't want to say that's what Disney is or like Disney and Lucasfilm are like trying to do. Like, I don't think they want people to forget about the sequel trilogy. Yeah. But I think they want to remind people that, yes, we have other things in other timelines that you might enjoy more. Exactly. That are in the pipeline that are coming. Sign up for Disney plus. <laughs> and you'd have to think besides Mandalorian and besides the rumored Obi-Wan show, they've also got to bring up something about Cassian. Yeah. I think that is actually, um, there was something this might even just be going back to like the Disney plus schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think they were talking about like, they're kind of currently penciling that in for 2021. Mm. But what's interesting about that is, I mean, and I think uh, clone wars is slated for sometime in 2020, either late 2020 or early 2021. Well, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. What you said. But so to me, that just kind of feels like there is space for, another Star Wars show before Cassian. Oh, yeah. And, you know, whether you're counting Clone Wars or not, like, to me, Clone Wars is going to be in a different bucket from Cassian and The Mandalorian because it's going to be, you know, like a TVY7 show or whatever as opposed to uh, TV14 or whatever. We need TVMA. It's not. They're not going to be that. Oh, I I know. (laughs) Well, there's already been, like, there's, there's a couple, like, preview images right now of, like, merchandise for The Mandalorian out. Like, Particularly Lego. I saw a Lego figure of the Mandalorian, which looked pretty sweet. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I also know that like with the Mandalorian itself, like even though the first trailer has yet to even officially release, they've already started to shoot season two. Okay, which is I mean it's it's that's, crazy. Yeah, but I mean that's just how it is. They're making money. It's not like they're going to lose money by making a completely second season of this show that has yet to even freaking premiere. Yeah. So you know you know people are going to love it. Yeah. So I mean it's it, it's going to be a good thing, and I know that I think the next time we come through here, at the very least, it's going to be a breakdown of the Mandalorian trailer. Yes. At most, it's going to be a breakdown of the Mandalorian trailer. <laughs> The Obi Wan trailer, the freaking Cassian trailer, the freaking K two trailer, second uh, Rise of Skywalker trailer, second Rise of Skywalker trailer, the Hondo Onaka live action series, <laughs> the freaking R two D two memoirs, the Tales of a Gung or a Gung <laughs> or something, Gunging Clown. I'm really just looking around the room for inspiration at this point. I was going to say uh, Gamorian, Gamorian, yeah, Tales yeah. of Tales of a Gamorian, but still, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> Tales of Poe Dameron. Ooh. Tales of Boba Fett. 
they're, they're already doing they're, it. They're already doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was just saying, like, it, they could say anything, and it's just, woo, everyone's yeah. going to lose their minds. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know that there's anything, like, anything that maybe is set outside of this the sequel trilogy will generate so much buzz. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that next time we get together. Um, yeah, kind of. Sorry for like the oversight. We maybe would have moved the schedule around a little bit. That's just it. Yeah. And I mean, we say it all the time. You know, we have our show set up and we're in and we get ready to record. And then like the night of or whatever, as soon as we say goodbye to each other, something drops. And it's like, and at least this time we knew the day before we recorded that the Mandalorian trailer was going (laughs) to hit the day after we recorded. Right. We we tried calling Disney Plus to see if we can get a preview, but they said they said no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suspect it's going to be a, like I wonder if it's just going to be like the trailer from Celebration. I can, I'm sure there's going to be a few new twists or right. Well, that's just it. just that's... things that we didn't even like pick up on the first time because like it was like a weird camera angle. Yeah, because like, it, it was a screen recording a screen, and, and, and it never comes out good. I mean, yeah. the sound was good for what it was. I mean, yeah. you couldn't really hear much. Yeah, but still, like, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of all comes down. If it is the full trailer, then I, I'll still be excited just because you could see it straight on mm-hmm. and get all that little detail. Yeah, and just like to actually watch it like in full 4k or whatever right like, i can't wait to watch it on my new laptop <laughs> <laughs> well i mean what the heck um what if they even went as far as like uh not only releasing like just the you know the show trailer but like the behind the, the scenes yeah that like they the wanted sizzle. to show yeah because that would i mean that would be amazing just yeah. give us a, you know, the full punch and let everyone actually see the the production value and how it's made and everything like that like I have every faith that they'll do something like it, or at least some kind of cool announcement. So, but I'm just excited it's coming tomorrow. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where I'm at because I'm usually out on the road. Uh, so I know at one point I'm going to be trying to deliver an AC unit to somebody. I'll be like, hold on, I'll just pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> I need three minutes. Yeah, throw my fucking hands. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm gonna have to censor that one. Sorry, <laughs> throw my freaking hazards on and <laughs> just watch the, watch the trailer. I'm sorry. See, I'm far. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, just, it's all right. I get it. <laughs> I'm excited. What can I say? Yes. Um, I mean, I think you know. I think we kind of talked about this. I mean, I would say that arguably my perspective changed at celebration, like mm-hmm. during the events of celebration. But I would say that entering this year, this was the thing that I was most excited for. Definitely, definitely. So, um, you know, so I'm just really excited to to kind of finally be not feel a little bit dirty for having like watched the <laughs> the leaked the, trailer, yeah, the leaked version of the trailer. And well, that's just it. Like I've already paid my dues. We talked about this back when, like I think, what Endgame came out, and I said like. I don't want to go on YouTube anymore because I've been right. typing leaked this, leaked that. Everything's yeah. leaked now. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to see the leaked ending. Come on. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's, so. that's kind of part of it is like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it by spending too much time on it. But so yeah. this will just kind of like, it'll put it back in the front of the mind for a little bit, you know, then I'll just have to wait until November. Yeah. Let's uh, see what, ha- I mean, look, this year's flying, you know, really like it, September's right around the corner. Yeah, and then October before that, and then next thing you know, yeah, and we'll have November. We'll have Mandalorian, and then by December, December we'll have Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. It's gonna like be intense. Yeah, uh, uh, not to peel back the curtain too much, like on our kind of methodology, Connor and my methodology for how we're doing the show. But we kind of went ahead and like we're starting to map out where everything's gonna fit for 
literally the rest of the year. Right. Because there's just not that much left to it. Um, and it's like we have like five episodes that we haven't like nailed down what the topic's going to be. Right. But uh, and that's the fun part about it too is because we're just like, oh, this could be a topic. That could be a topic. So it's it's not like we're, we're ever lacking for it. Yeah. But this just adds to the credence. So it's like, okay, well, we definitely know we're doing this. So it's, now it's what, five? Instead of five, now we have four. four. Or something yeah, like exactly. That. I mean, there's a few... Within that, there's a few topics that are just penciled in, like, we're going to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to... Have know, a few guests back. Exactly. And we've kind of talked about it over time that, you know, one thing that we'd kind of like to do, so we're going to be doing our film kind of overviews, film reviews, if mm-hmm. you want to call them that. The individual film reviews. Yes. Episodes one through eight. No, yeah. uh, no anthologies. Yeah, we're not going to do Rogue One or Solo. Uh, just because this is, you know, because the reason why we're doing this is because this is the Skywalker saga. This is our journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to the rise of Skywalker, yeah. if you will. So we're going to avoid the two films that don't really have Skywalkers in them. Oh. Although Rogue One does, obviously. Right. But I would love to, oh my God, I would love to like do a review on that. Well, we could still do a review maybe on the other side of... 2020. Well, yeah, 20, like yeah, into we, 2020, yeah. I think that would be a good way to come back. It'd be like, look, we just love talking about it so much. Yeah. And we did technically do one for Solo, so it yeah, only we, makes sense. Yeah, we've sense. kind of done a, a brief review, uh, as that's like the only movie that's come out in the time that we've been on air. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, but so anyway, I mean, there's lots of exciting things coming down the line, <laughs> but it's just like all of a sudden it's like, okay, like it's here. Like, yes. So I <laughs> we mean, are, I, we are in the season. I was going to say, I think the way that we want to do it is every other week, like we'll be doing a show like this as a regular, you know, just go through and do whatever the random topic is. And then in between those weeks, yes, that's when the movies we're going to do the, yeah, the movie review drops. Exactly. So for the rest of the year, we're going to strive and try and do a weekly show yes we're and taking one more week off yes then it'll be weekly until uh rise of skywalker okay hits. you got my hopes up i thought we were gonna start next week but i know I, I have to yeah. look at the cheat no, we, sheet yeah we do we have so. one more open week but this is like the last communique before we will then get into that stuff baller all right that's it all right hey i read a book did you yeah not only that i read two I, <laughs> I mean, did you read them both recently? Yeah, with my ears. <laughs> no, I mean, quite honestly, I did listen to them pretty recently yeah. uh, to get myself pumped for it. But more often than not, we're going to talk about our favorite topic on this show, our baby boy, our blue baby boy, Thrawn. Uh, we're we're going to cover a little bit of uh, Thrawn alliances today, uh, basically because it's the, it's the lead into our original main topic which was going to be Thrawn Treason yes so that's this is the the second and third book in the new Thrawn trilogy yeah if you literally go back to our third episode ever <laughs> we reviewed the first book in the new Thrawn trilogy which is simply titled Thrawn, Thrawn. yeah so and like now and so it, we're gonna do Thrawn alliances and then we're gonna kind of jump into uh Thrawn Treason which just came out I mean a few weeks ago if that yeah I think it was like late July, late early July, yeah. yeah, early August, July twenty sixth, I believe. Yeah, close enough. Whenever you got it, I think you were on the plane where it was like when you went. No, to that s- was Alphabet Squadron. Oh, that's right. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking of a different review yeah, we did. Thrawn Treason. I went. Um, no, I just got that here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So um, let's just get into it a little bit. Let's start off with Thrawn Alliances, the middle book in the uh, in the Thrawn trilogy. Thrawn uh, Thrawn Alliances is written by Timothy Zahn. 
And uh, the main cast, more or less, consists of Grand Admiral Thrawn, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, Senator Padme Amidala, Commodore Pharaoh, Commander Keeman, and my favorite Nogri, Rook, Rook, Rook. It's so weird to say. <laughs> it's like it's like it's the way it's spelled is R U K H. So you can't even say Rook. It's just Rook. You gotta have like a little bit of gargle behind you. You do. <laughs> or like a compute an expensive computer that can do that for you. Yeah, that's true too. Because on Rebels, he is very famously voiced by. Do you know? Wait, no. Uh, um, Rook, who he's yeah. voiced by, is it Jim Cummings? No. Dang it. Who is it? It's Warwick Davis. <gasps> no way! <laughs> oh, Wicked W. Warwick, my man. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. I need yeah. to go back and watch that. Do it. <laughs> uh, all right. You know what? Let's just get into it. Uh, let's. Um, why don't we just kind of give it some uh, the brass tacks here? Thrawn Alliance is a canon novel written by Timothy Zahn. It is the sequel to the 2017 novel Thrawn, and it is the second book in the Star Wars Thrawn book series. It was published by Del Rey on July 24th, 2018. The story features Thrawn and Darth Vader on a mission shortly after the events of Star Wars Rebels Season 3, while a parallel, na- parallel narrative set during the Clone Wars featuring Thrawn, Anakin Skywalker, and Padme Admadala. Admadala. Uh, Natalie Portman. I can't say her freaking name. Um, but Carrie so, Fisher's mother. Not really. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to read a little bit of the synopsis? I know it's like three paragraphs long. Sure, I'll read the synopsis. You have the voice. Uh, you're, well, you're the you're the sexy one uh, in the group. <laughs> like right there, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, that is super attractive. <laughs> I have sensed a disturbance in the force. Ominous words under any circumstances, but all the more so when uttered by Emperor Palpatine. On Batu, hey. at the edges of the unknown regions, a threat to the Empire is taking root. Its existence little more than a glimmer, its consequences as yet unknowable. But it is troubling enough to be the Imperial leader to warrant investigation by his most powerful agents, ruthless enforcer Lord Darth Vader, and brilliant strategist Grand Admiral Thrawn. Fierce rivals for the Emperor's favor and outspoken adversaries on Imperial affairs, including the Death Star Project, the formidable pair seem unlikely partners for such a crucial mission. But the Emperor knows it's not the first time Vader and Thrawn have joined forces. And there's more behind his royal command than either man suspects. In what seems like a lifetime ago, General Anakin Skywalker of the Galactic Republic and Commander Mithran Nurodo officer of the Chiss Ascendancy cross paths for the first time, one on a desperate personal quest, the other with motives unknown and undisclosed. But facing a gauntlet of dangers on a far-flung world, they forged an uneasy alliance, neither remotely aware of what their futures held in store. Now, thrust together once more, they find themselves bound again for the planet where they once fought side by side. There they will be doubly challenged, by a test of their allegiance to the Empire and an enemy that threatens even their combined might. So I have to take that back. Uh, We talked about this earlier before we started getting the mics going. We said as much in the third episode uh, about Thrawn, the first book, that the synopsis given for that book does not match what the story actually comes out. Yes. I take that back because this really does level it up. That's actually, yeah. I feel like the, the first, the part that you read... Yes. 
does not really represent the book. But no. this synopsis is actually pretty good. <laughs> it makes sense. I, think, I mean, I think they both came from Wikipedia. Yes, so exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not. I, I, it wasn't so much as just like you know, let's just get some groundwork and get to you know, get ourselves familiar again and all that kind of stuff. But so yeah, um, essentially, uh, Thrawn and Vader had to team up per the request of Emperor Palpatine to go and check out a disturbance he felt in the Force all the way out on the edge of the Unknown Regions. Yes. Uh, primarily on a planet called Batu, which uh, they already said as much that uh, Vader and Thrawn have been to before. Previously. Previously. When they were... During uh, the time of the Clone Wars. Which is pretty crazy. Yes. So, uh, I mean, and let's just kind of get right into it. I... I, I First of all, I really, really did like the dynamic between the two. Yes, and I'm talking Anakin and uh, and Anakin and Thrawn, as well as Vader and Thrawn. Yes, uh, because the, the way it's kind of described is, you know, Anakin is brash and like headstrong, uh-huh. whereas uh, Vader is impatient and yes. like just he wants to get you know get things done. He doesn't care what it has to be done. He yeah. just does it. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Like I I feel like. Timothy Zahn did do a... He watched a lot of Clone Wars to get Anakin down <laughs> right. correctly. And it's not... Yeah, that's the other side of it. And it, like, it. It's not like he watched the prequel movies. No, no he, he watched, watched the, the show. Yeah. Because that's where they got Anakin right. Yes. Anakin in that show was a hero, but he also had a dark side. Yes. And he, they, they showed the more emotion than you, you would never expect it. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and, and I would also argue that he, clearly Zahn... And again, I feel like this is the first time that Zahn would have written vader i mean you know he's done a lot of star wars books over the years right but typically you know the the subjects that he normally wrote were either thrawn or mara jade centric stories and mara jade was kind of kept hidden from vader yes to Um, an extent to an extent there's there's a book where they cross paths but it's not like they were like involved in the entire book. It's just like they literally cross paths in the Imperial Palace. Uh-huh. But that is a good fact because you think about it, like Thrawn's first outing in you know Star Wars lore was the original Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire. Um, what was it? The Dark Force Rising, The Last, Last Command. Command yeah. So it's like in that book, obviously Vader's long gone, and he's only just mentioned in passing. But you know, you never have that kind of like feel that Timothy brings to his uh, you know his characters and everything like that. But it's, I mean, it's it's still just interesting to see that he's able to make Darth Vader into this, like, no-nonsense, like, why aren't you killing your underlings kind of guy? Like, yeah. He's, like, upset with, like, the way that, uh, I was about to say Krennic, uh, that Thrawn, like, handles his crew. He doesn't like the fact that he's like, good job, you tried your best. He's like, no, yeah. you deserve to die. Like, come yeah. on, failure. No, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, uh. Really, like kind of this heavy-handed approach versus, like, you know, it kind of casts Thrawn in this other perspective, mm. you know, as well. I mean, obviously, we, we talked about this way back when when we reviewed the first Thrawn novel that truly from, in that novel, he is the hero of the story. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, unequivocally, I mean, like, this is something that kind of comes up in Star Wars often that, like, okay, who's the actual hero here? Or, yes. Like, wh- whose framing are we seeing? But, like, there is no question from, you know, page one to page 350 or whatever. <laughs> you know, Thrawn, this is Thrawn's book. He is the hero. Yes. Um, and so it's it's kind of interesting from th- in this book, we start to see a different perspective a little bit. Because, obviously, Vader is not, Vader and Anakin are not entirely trusting 
of Thrawn. And they don't necessarily understand his motivations. Right. And I mean, I know that like for me, I was still really trying to figure out what his spiel was in in the uh, Clone Wars era. But I mean, they, they do a good job of explaining it later on in the book and everything like that. Like his involvement with him, you know, doing his personal quests and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, I, 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 I kind of still see Thrawn as the hero a little bit. Especially when it's him dealing with Vader. Because Vader is freaking... He's evil. Like yeah. you know, they, he's no nonsense. He does not accept failure, and like he wants to undermine Thrawn in any chance he can get because he sees Thrawn as this perfect being. But he's mm-hmm. like, he, no one is this perfect. Like yeah. I feel like that's his whole motivation through the whole thing. Yeah, and like to p- slide this into the timeline, if you will. Like mm-hmm. so, they say this takes place uh, just after just after the events of season three of Rebels, right? Which would put it before. The events of Rogue One. Yes. So you're kind of talking about, um, you know, probably like Vader at arguably like his most evil in a sense. Oh, yeah. Like, and I think this is, you know, a timeline that we see in the comics as well. Yeah. Leading right up to this almost. Uh He, I mean, like, I think what we see most in the comics, at least like the main storyline was post Battle of Yavin. Yeah, but like in his first, like the Lord of the Sith, the ones that I gave you, mm. that's like in the you know in the middle area, like, the twenty yeah. years. Yeah, the, so the inter trilogy, inter trilogy. I like the sound of that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, let's talk about some other characters. Well, particularly um, Padme. I yes. think Padme didn't really have much going on in this story, other than just being like the damsel in distress. Yeah. You know, like I, like, I, I wasn't I mean, sure. Yeah. Suitably like Padme portrayal. Like, you know, she does she, like, she takes some initiative. Mm-hmm. I mean like, but it's also like she basically gets in over her head and then like sends a distress call to Anakin. Yeah. And he it's runs like, to rescue her. And it's like, not suspicious at all. It's like, Oh no, <laughs> it's just go and save your friend. Yeah. It's like, You're really close to that lady. Yeah. Like it's amazing that he never got caught that much earlier. You yeah. Know, with stuff like this, stunts like this. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. I'm down. When we review potentially revenge of the Sith. Yes. In particular. I'm down for that. that. Uh, Don't let me forget that. All right, I'm cool. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, so like her character was, I mean, it it falls in line with the Clone Wars, you know, portrayal of Padme. She was, she wasn't afraid to, you know, put herself in the middle of a fight and everything like that. So I appreciated that. But at the same time, it was like when her arcs, like when her parts of chapters and all that would come up, I'm like, where's Thrawn? Like where's, where's Anakin? Right, like that. But but that actually brings me to one of the things. So part of why I think we never came back to review this story mm-hmm. is that, I mean, at least from my perspective, like it's good, but it's not great. Yeah, it just uh, I mean, it's honestly just a bridge. Yeah, I'd say from yeah. <laughs> Thrawn to Thrawn treason. You if, need the Thrawn alliances. Yeah, if you are one of those rare people that's like, well, I don't like Empire because it has no beginning and no end. Right. Um, then like you would not like this story at all. I will say that much. Because it's just the middle ground. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the long run, and it's basically just the, you know, it's extended storytelling of, you know, the Clone Wars era of 
Thrawn and Anakin and all this kind of stuff, which yeah. is already interesting enough because you don't see a lot of novels like with that era or anything like that. You know, right. it's mostly just left to the TV shows yeah. and whatnot. I mean, that was like that was kind of like the first one in this more recent series. You know, I mean, we we have fairly recently talked about Master and Apprentice mm-hmm. and uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Yes, they've started like really pumping them out. Now. Yeah, and there was also that Queen Shadow book, which I have not read. Yeah, that was like I said, this all this year, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and like this was like one of the last books that came out in 2018 that I can remember. Anyway. It was, yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of interesting. But I guess the point, the underlying point that I was going to make is the only thing I don't like about this is that there's just not enough Thrawn. Yeah, I mean, as much as you want it to be, like they focus a lot more on the crew, which isn't such a bad thing, right? Because they make the crew of the Chimera very likable. Yeah. In particular, Commodore Pharaoh. Yeah. Um. I really liked her story. I liked the fact that she was, you know, she just took, she was learning. She was becoming, you know, the second in command to Thrawn and everything like that. Yeah. And she was just as tactful as Thrawn would be at times. Yes. You know, so it's interesting to see that. And like, she's, she's her own character. You don't see enough female, like Imperial officers to begin with, right. let alone ones that are competent. Yeah. And I, I feel like if we came across her in a battle, like we would not stand a good chance. Like yeah. she has that ability to her. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk more about Pharaoh because she makes an appearance in the next book yeah, as well. She probably has an even more outsized role in, oh, yeah. in Thrawn Treason. The only other two characters I brought up for this, and we can kind of just finish out with this, um, Commander Keemond and Rook. As oh. we were... <laughs> Sounds like you got to like hock a loogie. Um, but yeah, so they kind of have a weird dynamic through the whole thing because like Commander Keemond is in, he's in, he's the leader of the first legion. i.e. the 501st which that was interesting to see that like they took that and just went far with it like it's not the 501st anymore it's It's the the first first. the very first one yeah and there's kind of and that's kind of like an interesting uh through line i I Mm -hmm. mentioned that earlier um in terms of like going from the 501st and then you know over time it becomes the first legion which does that influence the name the first order maybe i mean it's, it's the first legion or yeah the first legion is supposed to be the best of the best of the best like it's you know it's the core group of like everyone who was the best in the 501st and any other you know core or legion or whatever all grouped together like hand-picked by vader himself or something like that and they're just you know they're outstanding at their job they're stormtroopers who can hit target for goodness sake yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) they do it a lot it's kind of annoying (laughs) so i mean like they're this book like many books you know it has its problems and stuff like that the most glaring problem is one of the problems that I don't like having be a problem, if that's if that made any sense at all, and it's the character of Rook. Uh-huh. Why is he here? Yeah. Why was he in the show for that matter? But I, that that's a whole other story. Yeah. So all right. And like, if you're not going to pay it off, so I mean, kind of the history of Rook and the other Nogri, like is, the species, the entire yeah. species. And, and, like, it's kind of a weird dynamic because the whole premise in the old EU mm-hmm. is that they were loyal to Thrawn. Mm-hmm. But then when Thrawn is destroyed and they learn that Princess Leia is... The Malari Ush. Yes. The, the daughter of Vader. <laughs> the daughter of Vader. Sorry. <laughs> I've actually been listening to the old... Re- they get myself pumped, so yeah. I'm sorry. Do you have the Dennis Lawson version or do you have the... The uh, Mark Thompson. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. 
Yeah, because I think the ori- like the first version they did. This is a bit of a tangent. Sorry, uh, of Heir to the Empire and like the Thrawn trilogy was yeah. actually done by Dennis Lawson. Oh yeah, Wedge. Oh, the Wedge. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be interesting to pick up. Uh, but then they did a re-release like when the books turned twenty or something. It was like twentieth but... anniversary because yeah. that, that was actually the one that I got like uh-huh. right off the bat because I think that's when I first started getting into it. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I gotta look into this, and I think I even asked you as much. I was like, should I? go for this heir to the empire what yeah. is this? you're like yes yes please yeah <laughs> um, but so then it, like basically once thrawn is destroyed and they learn about who leia actually is They're they become loyal loyal to her and not only her but the skywalker family in general and, and, yeah or the solo family like just the core group of people you know and love you know what i mean and uh it I mean, it goes as far as the New Jedi Order and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, she has Nogri bodyguards yes. for, like, her entire life, practically. Leia, I'm talking about. Right. So we get to get back to Rook, or Rook, as you like to say. His whole deal is that he was the personal bodyguard of Thrawn in, you know, the original trilogy. To the point where, like, you know, he would test people who would come in to, like, see Thrawn and stuff like that. He would hide and try and sneak up on him. It's another character we'll get into in the, in the next book, but like, um, it's just I mean, the the whole story of you know their people and their struggle and how they're related to the Empire and all this kind of stuff just wiped away. Yeah. Then the whole mystery of the Nogri people wiped away. Like, yeah. why? Yeah. And then he just pops up out of nowhere. Now here's the other side of it too. When I first started like listening to this book, I hadn't watched season three. Okay. So I didn't even know Rook was in the freaking show. Yeah. And that's when it got me like, what? You yeah. know, and I got all excited <laughs> thinking like, we're going to go see, you know, we're going to go to Hanukkah. We're going to see the, you know, the Nogri people. And yeah. What? That was a good pool, Hanukkah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like I said, I've just been listening <laughs> yeah. to it today. So, uh, but yeah, so I, it just, I liked his character. Like he was just as vicious yeah. in the show and in this book. Yeah. But he, didn't need to be there. Yeah. Like they and also, just, yeah. and it completely undermines like that kind of dynamic that he previously had, which was, like, I don't know that that was so great, but it just felt right because it's what we were introduced with first. But right. like now, like basically in this whole story, like he, like Rook basically spends the whole book, like trying to just get under the skin of commander, like, Keeman. Of, of commander Keeman, who would be, you know, Vader's, right-hand man essentially, essentially yeah like the leader of his stormtroopers and stuff yeah. like that so it's crazy and like so like they have their own weird dynamic which honestly i did like a lot uh-huh. but like i said the part that bugged me the most was the fact that i just didn't understand how he fit into the story yeah exactly so it was just kind of like a you know a fan servicey thing it totally was have to be there dude it totally was and like it was fan service done wrong in so far as it's like i'd have rather not had him in there than have him in there and be totally different from how he previously was or like don't just uh, have him randomly appear like maybe have a short story that leads into how thrawn found the nogri or something yeah, exactly. like explain like, a little yeah. bit more or like explain that like you know you could make the nogri like an unknown regions race right like, there'd right. be no problem doing that it's like he followed me from and like where i was exiled yeah. and i guess the you know kind of the final thing to bring up with thrawn alliance is is you know the other unknown regions race that we do come into contact with which would be the Grisk. The Risk, yes. Grisk, sorry. <laughs> I missed it, the G there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, are you telling me something I don't know? I, I have not listened no, to no, any no, of No, no, these. no, 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 no. You're quite right, but go ahead. Um, so basically, the Grisk are, you know, it, 
we sort of get this picture of like the Chiss ascendancy and the Grisk as kind of the two powers in the unknown regions. Right. Yes. And there's many other species, but many of them are client species to Either kind of one or. or the other. Yeah. So these are the two main powers, like the the I don't know what the the, the you know the major states of yeah. the unknown regions. Yeah. So and I always kind of equated the Chiss ascendancy to like their version of the empire. Yeah. If you want to go that far. Yeah. I mean, that's always the way they've been portrayed. Is that they're just this kind of very like almost feudalistic military. <laughs> derived type of culture exactly yeah well that's just it so the grisk if if i'm not mistaken at least a species like them i can't remember the name of the species in it but i i brought up the book outbound flight before uh-huh. which was another timothy's on book yes um it dealt with um the outbound flight project that had uh juris sabayoth and it his original yes you know the not thing. cloned version yes exactly so but it's also the first, you know the quote unquote first introduction of Thrawn to you know this part of the galaxy and all this kind of stuff, and ironically enough, set before the Clone Wars, so yes. it's like he was there. And Anakin and Obi Wan are in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were almost on outbound flight. Yeah. But regardless, um, there's a species that they come across. It's a nomadic species that are quite similar to the Grisk, but I don't think they are the Grisk. I know there's a name for them, and I know they're not used on Vong or anything like that. But they are like they're evil. Right, and then you go to the Grisk themselves, and like they are, they take evil and turn it up to eleven. They do, yeah. I mean, so you say they're not the Yuuzhan but it's pretty clear that at least for the new Disney canon, they want to. This is the Yuuzhan threat. No, no, I can see that, and I kind of like it, especially more in the Thrawn Treason. I feel like they like they amped up like the danger level. So like as far as we could tell in the you know in in alliances like they were more of just a nuisance than anything else. Yeah. They weren't anything to be really feared, uh-huh. and potentially they were the things that the disturbance that they felt in the force for you know for Palpatine and everything like that. That's why I sent them out there. But like you know their their weapons are interesting. The the fighting that the Vader and Thrawn have to do to get to them and everything like that. It's it's already interesting. But I don't know. It's just I I. I uh, I guess the way that I put it was like the Yuuzhan Vong would be brutal uh-huh. and you know absolutely vicious, whereas the Grisk were more methodical and manipulative. Yeah, uh, I mean we can get into that when we get into the next novel here, but I did like the fact that they are you know they they also have the feeling of the nomadic species, like I was saying before. Yeah, so. it's like a to take this to a weird level of abstraction. Yuuzhan Vong are like body horror. Ooh, yeah. And the Grisk are more like psychological horror. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Versus someone who would pierce your skin. This is someone who like just holds your eyes open uh-huh. and makes you watch whatever they watched in Clockwork Orange until you start screaming, basically. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Do you want to just kind of jump into the next book? Yeah. I don't want to give too much of the plot away. You kind of know what goes on at this point for alliances. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, and like we said, you know, it, it literally is just a bridge. But it's mm-hmm. a good bridge. It's a good bridge. You know, take the time, walk across, see what you think. Yes. And uh, yeah. get to the next one, which we're going to talk about right now. Thrawn. Treason. Yes. Written by <gasps> Timothy Zahn. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um Main characters, Grand Admiral Thrawn, Commodore Pharaoh, Governor Tarkin, Grand Admiral Savit, Director Krennic. Oh, crap. I didn't write that all the way down. Assistant Director Ronan, 
and Admiral Aralani, as well as Eli Vanto. Yeah, I don't know why this ended up. I, I think it was my fault because I, in the, yeah, <laughs> Krennic yeah. Ronan. Krennic, yeah, Krennic Ronan. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, yeah. So it's a uh, Krennic director, Krennic, and an assistant director, Ronan. So that's that's the other one. Yeah, and then like I said, uh, Admiral Aralani of the Chiss Ascendancy, as well as our favorite boy, Eli Vanto, is back. Yes. So the um, the not very good synopsis goes as this. I mean, no, wrong one. Uh, Thrawn Treason is a canon novel written by Timothy Zahn. It is the sequel to the 2018 novel Thrawn Alliances, and it was published by Del Rey on July 23rd, 2019. Set before the finale of Star Wars Rebels, Thrawn Treason features Graham Admiral Thrawn crossing paths with director Krennic and the return of Eli Vanto. So... Would you like to dive down in this synopsis? Sure. This one's a little shorter, actually, I think. That's, so that's good. good, yeah. If I were to serve the Empire, you would command my allegiance. Such was the promise Grand Admiral Thrawn made to Emperor Palpatine at their first meeting. Since then, Thrawn has been one of the Empire's most effective instruments, pursuing its enemies to the very edges of the known galaxy. But as keen a weapon as Thrawn has become... The Emperor dreams of something far more destructive. Now, as Thrawn's TIE Defender program is halted in favor of Director Krennic's secret Death Star project, he realizes that the balance of power in the Empire is measured by more than just military acumen or tactical efficiency. Even the greatest intellect can hardly compete with the power to annihilate entire planets. As Thrawn works to secure his place in the Imperial hierarchy, his former protege, Eli Vantello, returns with a dire warning about Thrawn's homeworld. Thrawn's mastery of strategy must guide him through an impossible choice. Duty to the Chiss ascendancy. ascendancy or fealty to the Empire he has sworn to serve. Even if the right choice means committing treason. And thus the name, gang. Yeah. All right. So this is not a great synopsis. No, it is not. So yeah, it, it, like we said before, it, just, it does not do a good job of actually describing what happens. So... When they first announced this book, that was basically the synopsis right there. They were like, he has to choose. Either he can go for the Chiss Chiss or he can go for the Empire. And it's like, well, you know, things we know from the show, it's like, well, we kind of know which way it's going to go. And then you get the book and it's like, we got a problem with some flying vermin. And it's like, (laughs) what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Let's just start right there. So the book opens up. Yes. So uh, the book opens up pretty simply. It's uh, like uh, the Chimera is on its way to Coruscant. But then it gets rerouted, and the next thing you know, he ends up on, uh, I think it's Admiral Savit's Star Destroyer, is that right? Yes. And he's there with Director Krennic, as well as Governor Tarkin. Mm-hmm. And uh, fun fact, in the audiobook, I don't know if you listened to the audiobook for this one I or not. The, in the audiobook, they describe um, Admiral Savit's voice as kind of like Sean Connery. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Throng. I smelled you come aboard. Like that kind of stuff or something like that, you know. But regardless, um, so they have this whole meeting where they discuss the fact that, like, Krennic wants to divert funds from the TIE Defender program to the Stardust Project, which we all know is the Death Star. And he doesn't think that's a good idea because he thinks that, the you know, you could patrol more with smaller ships versus one big ship. And it's just a glaring observation and all this kind of stuff. This was like the they had like a an excerpt from this book before it came out, and this was the excerpt that I read, and I loved it. Like yeah. it, it did set it up, and it wasn't so much it was like where's where's the treason at. It was like 
it's Ron in his element. He's reading people. And not only is he reading people, he's reading the people I love. Yeah. Freaking Tarkin and, yeah, Krennic. Tarkin and Krennic. Like yeah. they're they're back and forth, they're bickering and stuff like that. And he's just in the middle, just methodically breaking them down. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, so. it was yeah, I really liked that passage. Like it's that was kind of what I read. Um like it took me a couple times to kind of get into it. Like I, I feel like I say this all the time, but when I <laughs> when I read these novels, I typically read right before bed and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like I'll read three sentences and like my eyes are like, nope, that's all I got. Too tired. Yeah. Um, but so then it was like, I just willed myself. I think I even like went and just sat on my deck one night and was <laughs> like, all right, I'm just going to read for a while and got like 70 pages in. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I told you as much that I got, I got the audio book uh, before going to work the next day and turns out I had to be on the road for about seven hours. Uh-huh. So I like spent, Sped right through it yeah. and like the whole way up and down from I don't know where I was going but it was yeah. like you know a three hour trip or whatever and I was just like oh, you know everything's coming true and all this kind of stuff and like I was expecting this and I got that and there were some down points to it where it was like oh you know you wanted something to happen yeah but for the most part like it was a thrill well I agree I oh. mean you know I, I think I like people are going to stop trusting my judgment on these things i think because <laughs> i talked very favorably about alphabet squadron and ah. Like, ah this is you know this is my favorite standalone book in the you know in the new canon yeah it's not anymore it's it's this one it's thrown treason yeah i mean this is like vintage like it goes back it, it harkens back to me somewhat to that time of like the original Thrawn trilogy, the heir to the empire, right. etc. Just the way he breaks everything down. Yeah, and I mean, it's always it's always a thrill to see how he comes down to it because there's he has to have that every man that kind of like you know just says why are you doing this you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> and that's kind of the character of assistant director Ronan. Yeah. Uh, so I, the way it goes down, like the, the 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 core of the story essentially is that director Krennic uh, makes a bet that if he can't solve yeah. this problem like the actual like the the notion of this storyline is actually kind of silly it's, it's silly like, because of how much it just it goes away from the core storyline yeah. it's a bet to see whether or not Thrawn can deal with uh what is it the Grolix? is that how it's said? yeah that's how I would say yeah the Grolix, which are kind of like Minox so the, the things the they were chewing Minox. yeah the things they were chewing on the power couplings in Empire Strike Back on the Millennium Falcon um and so, uh, Krennic gives Thrawn a week to get rid of it. And if Thrawn can do it, he'll be able to keep all of his funds for the TIE Defender program. And if not, all those funds are going to go back into Stardust. Right. And so it's a whole thing. And then, Which is kind of what Tarkin's involvement in this is. Is that like he's kind of the one controlling the purse strings for, exactly. uh, for both projects at this point. Yeah, he has that kind of motif for it. He also has the favor... Or like, Thrawn has the favor of Tarkin, right. you know, as much as he wants to see... Krennic go down he yeah. knows that Thrawn's a much more viable option and yeah like that. yeah it's I mean it's funny like I mean you know I I think Tarkin outside of maybe the Emperor is like the most hateable character oh oh um, yeah in, in all of Star Wars um, but it's funny because it's like you almost like you almost sympathize with him because <laughs> he correctly identifies that like it's better to have you know, the competence of Thrawn than it is to have like the bombasticness of Krennic and, and also like his ulterior motive, which has always been to gain control of the Death Star. Right. Well, so that's just it. So we were talking about Ronan, right? Yeah. The, the, the character who is under uh, director Krennic, like second in command, basically he's sent to watch over Thrawn 
this whole time. And I love the fact that Ronan and Krennic were practically like just the same character. Yeah. <laughs> Except that Ronan was more like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, he wasn't so much saying, this is my achievement. Like, he wasn't like arrogant or anything like that. He yeah. was just like, I know my office. And I know that we can't do this kind of thing because it's treason. This is treason. That's those. That they kept throwing that word around like crazy in this novel. Yeah, it's like you had it to got remind. Hard to follow. Like what, <laughs> what would that? constitute as treason? treason? Right? Yeah. It's like I don't understand. It's like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So but, but, well, and to like, I think to kind of say one sentence about Ronan, it was like he he was Krennic without the ability. Yes. Like it was just all of like the pettiness and haughtiness just trying to undermine everything without the ability <laughs> there was a fun fact that i, I learned about I, I completely forgot about i was going through like easter eggs and stuff like that right the fact that i missed this made me upset but i love the fact that assistant director ronan actually has a cape like yeah krennic but it's slightly shorter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to show the dominance right yes. uh, it's so hilarious all right so Go, you know, fast forward through all that. They're they're trying to get rid of the grill, like the Grolics and everything like that. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they end up like in the middle of nowhere, like in the yes. middle of unknown regions. Come across a ship in distress, taking out like another ship or something like that. Turns out it's the um, it's the ship for the the Chiss Ascendancy. I can't remember what this name is, but it's Admiral Ar- Admiral Aralani's ship as well as Eli Vanto's ship, and thus that's where the the steadfast steadfast right okay i just say that's where the um the like uneasy alliance comes in at that point because they're like we have to solve you know the problem that's going on here we have some information you have some information let's put it together yeah. and so it's basically ronan who's saying that this is treason the entire time yeah because he sees that like thrawn is using imperial resources to help out an alien Right, you know, race essentially like it's an alien empire, and he's calling that treason. He's like, the legion's not to the empire anymore, or whatever. And it's like, okay, it's kind of like it just it didn't feel right. Yeah, you know, you wanted to actually have that moment where he would be standing up in front of like Palpatine, like challenging him or something like yeah. that. He never got anything like that. No. So yeah, and like I mean, even like the cover of the of this book. So <laughs> the cover of Thrawn Alliances is Thrawn and Vader. Right. Standing together. That's it's perfect. And then the cover of Thrawn Treason is Thrawn kind of in one corner and the Emperor like over. S- looking over his shoulder. shoulder. Uh, and, and it's like, oh, you know, yeah. you think something's gonna go down. But I don't know. It's just like it was just crazy to see how it kind of all went. I loved excuse me. I love the fact that they were able to bring back a couple characters from EU. Um, that really like it amped me up the fact that they brought these people in one character in particular I won't bring up because it's a it's a great spoiler well no it's not a great spoiler but it's a great like um, reveal yeah you know and like personally for me like I know this character from other novels and, and or at least one other novel and I was like what you know this character's in it so I don't want to ruin it for anyone else who might be a fan of it so I'll just say keep it at that but the other one that was a real big twist, and I was so happy when I finally was able to talk to you about it, Pelion. Yes. Captain Pelion, and man. He is, he is Captain Gillard Pelion. They, they, for the longest time, they just referred to him as either Pelion or Captain Pelion. Right. Uh, but then I think in the last, like in the final chapter, uh, we do learn that he will be coming over to Captain the Chimera. Chimera. Uh, and it's just like it comes full circle. Yeah, and he is, and I believe at that point they they do mention once that his name is Gilad. 
Glad, yes. Well, yeah, so if anyone who doesn't know, if anyone hasn't read the original trilogy, Pelion is the right-hand man to Thrawn in those books. Mm-hmm. Like, he is he is, in com- he is in command of the Chimera while Thrawn is away doing his thing, more or less. Yes. And so the fact that his name is not only dropped, but, like, he's mentioned as a, you know, a viable character in the story, it just made it that much more exciting. And it's like, wow, you know, this was one of those moments where, like, rook, bad. Yeah, Pelion, Pelion good. good. Like it, it was, it was really well done the way they did it in there. So I was like, "That's good, man." Yeah. But and like, I will, I will say that's something that I like. I appreciate Zon for is. I mean, I I think we talked about this uh, long ago when we did the initial Thrawn mm-hmm. book review. Um, that basically he believes that you know, like his perspective is like every word that he's ever written for Star Wars is still part of the Star Wars story. Oh, true, man. I mean, uh, look, he's the one who started the universe in, in, in well, earnest. He, in earnest, for yeah. sure, yeah. Like, it, 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 there wasn't any, like, there was, all right, there was in between the movies and all that kind of stuff, but like, as soon as Return of the Jedi came and went, he's the one who was like, yeah. well, here's what happened. Yeah, and he's the first, first person who kind of uh, started to bring Star Wars out of, like, the, the dark ages, if mm-hmm. you will. I mean, a lot of people refer to the time between Jedi and, like, Phantom Menace, as the actual dark ages, but I think a lot of people would say that, well, the nine, like just Jedi to like the early nineties. Yeah. Um, oh, Jedi was like 83, right? Yeah. yeah. So you had like eight years where there was basically nothing. And then 91, he releases heir to the empire and all and of a sudden it's like, it's oh. like okay. Yeah. And then we start to get some of the games. Oh yeah. They, they, dark forces, shadows of the empire, etc. And I, then like the, it, it was world building from there. Yeah. And, and I, I think that is what kind of finally really sparks George Lucas to be like, okay, I'm gonna do this now. <laughs> Just get I see, in. I see that we can sell bunches of games and books and stuff. Hey, so how just, about I make some movies? Yeah, again. why not? Let's just throw throw some more characters in there and all that kind of stuff. It works out. Uh, more so, toys. More toys. Yeah, that that was a big thing for me. I know that really got me into Star Rick Ole. <laughs> I had him. Everybody uh, had Rick. Uh, Rick Ole was the best. All right, not really. But Captain still. Obvious. <laughs> The whole planet's one big city. Coruscant. The whole planet is <laughs> a city. One big city. They pull out our reflector shields. <laughs> Catch all pretty quick. Anyways. Um, There's the blockade. <laughs> we didn't hit it. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about Eli Fanto. Yes, all right. I'm sorry. Okay. It's all right. It's just Rick Ole has some of the best lines you'd ever yep. realized. <laughs> all right. I feel like we got we get into this during the Phantom Menace review. I can't remember, but regardless, well, well yeah, <laughs> you'll just have to tune in to find out, right? Um, let's talk about Eli because I think we both kind of agreed that, like, for the first novel, it was like our favorite character, like yeah, favorite new character, right? For sure. So I was hoping to have a lot more with him, mm. but it just it didn't it didn't go anywhere I thought it was going to go. No, I agree with that, and it. But I also feel like it was kind of appropriate. Like, I didn't want this to just become, um, you know, just the continuation of, like, the Thrawn and Eli story from the first book. Um, And instead, it's like, you know, he plays an important role, and I think they're kind of setting him up to potentially have some thing to do in subsequent novels or other medium, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, But... You know, but I think it was like tastefully done that it was like the right amount without being overkill. 
Yes, and I, I also like the fact that they, I mean, when they talked about his, like, when they talked about him from his perspective, he was in Thrawn's shoes at that point, because yes. obviously in the first book, Thrawn was a fish out of water, he was an alien amongst humans, and now he's a human amongst Chiss, so he's the alien, yeah. and he gets that feeling of, like, well, I'm, I definitely have to, like, show my fortitude and everything like that and like you could see that he picked up all those skills from Thrawn and he just went running with it so it's not to like talk down about Eli and his you know part in this book because he has some good parts like especially when he's off doing his own missions yeah. and stuff like that like, that was some of my the, best yeah the mission with him the death troopers and, and Ronan. Ronan is awesome what were the it was like cookie and milk or whatever the uh, name yeah. of the freaking troopers ah uh, oh, right, don't worry about it if you can't find it but uh, like you talk and I'll see if I find it but yeah so the death troopers had like just regular like, like waffle is one of them <laughs> That's right. It's like Bob and Waffle or something. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, so like the Def Troopers, they don't have any of their armor on. And they've talked about how Def Troopers are actually, you know, uh, inst- in, you know introduced into the, into, the, into, the, um, into the Trooper Corps or whatever you call it. Essentially, they have to have like uh, cybernetics implanted into their throat so that all their dialogue comes out kind of guttural or like it just kind of comes out like with a super sore throat kind of deal but that's the way they describe it in like the audiobook is like waffle and his partner would just be like we don't take orders we only take orders from Thrawn. we don't take it from you and it's like it's just a weird thing but yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah, they've been like overall that they've just been like modified <laughs> i just love the fact that the guy's name is waffle I was like, are you serious? The guy's name is Waff, but I can't remember. It's like Dan or Bob or something like that. Like, it's something kind of normal. I don't know. But otherwise, yeah. And then, like, his, inter- like, Eli's interaction with Ronan, Ronan just being insufferable, and Ronan and Eli just being like, come on. And it was just turning into this whole thing. But I did like the fact that, like, Ronan wasn't afraid to kind of put on an act and stuff like that. Like, he kind of started to realize, like, maybe I pick. pick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought it was pig. Yeah, it's, Close. A, it's a K in the book, anyway. All right, pick and waffle. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Because I thought, I, yeah, I don't know. Every time I heard Mark Thompson say it, I thought he was saying pig and waffle. But yeah, <laughs> still, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, it's just, it, that's, like, a fantastic sequence that I enjoyed a lot. Um, I don't remember where we were at because I was kind of no. deep in the book for a moment. Well, all I'm getting at is just, like I said, I, I, I mean, as much as we didn't get what we expected from Eli, it's not to downplay his story at all. Uh-huh. And his interactions with uh, Admiral Aralani as well. Like her, I was like worried that she was going to become like the, the villain, more right. or less. Yeah. Like she was very antagonistic towards Thrawn and yeah. Eli at times. Yes. But she has just as much like fortitude with a, you know, a strategic value as Thrawn does. Yeah. And you could see where like they all kind of meet together and everything. Yeah. I was kind of impressed. So like I got the book at Barnes and Noble and they've been doing this thing with most of the Star Wars releases where they get kind of like a, an exclusive version. Mm. Um, but so it has this like little fold out poster. And so like the one is like the cover image, yes. but the other side of it is actually Arlani and Vanto kind of sit, standing in similar positions. Right. Yeah. I heard about that. Um, That's, oh, let me see that real quick. I'm cool. <laughs> it's just on the inside. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like first page. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. I thought I was in like the, nah, it's not like a reversible cover. It's just, Ooh. yeah, but so it's really neat. Um, yeah. And she's like a compelling character and, um, sorry, you know, I, I kind of, I, I appreciate this because one thing that we've 
basically never see, even in the uh, old expanded universe, was kind of an inside look at like the Chiss ascendancy. Right, and this was a much more broader like look at it. I mean, uh, you didn't learn everything, yeah, but you did learn something. Yeah, I mean, you learn many. You, you just learn the names of many Chiss for the first time, right? Um, you know, be, beyond like Thrawn and like the human ambassadors to them, which was the Fell family. Yes, uh, Baron Fell and Jagged Fell is his son. Why does that name sound familiar? What's killing me? Fell? Yeah. Like, I mean, from the expanded universe, like Jag. Yes, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> I knew it hit it. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. So Jag is the human who was raised among the Chiss. Mm. Um, but like from a young age, so not necessarily like Eli. Mm-hmm. And what he's going through. Um, he just has to learn he, a trade language. Yeah, and then he um. Jag goes on to be Jaina Solo's husband. Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I knew I knew the name sounded familiar. Um, but that's interesting. And yeah, so it, 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 the book does a great job of just kind of combining both sides. Yeah. As well as spending enough time on either side of the curtain so you're familiar with everything. And it follows the most random characters as well. Because there are moments where it's following Grand Admiral Savit as he's like keeping progress you know he's checking uh-huh. up on the progress of the mission and stuff like that krennic has like some moments to pop up tarkin has some moments to pop up person who doesn't show up as much is freaking palpatine yeah and you would think that that would be the core of this book it's like you're gonna be treasonous against me and my empire or whatever yeah, and it's and like put him on the cover of the book <laughs> right yeah you thought he would have been more like involved and it's like yeah. it just doesn't happen he's there at the beginning he's there at the end i think right yeah. and that's it yeah and, like he has um like two two lines of dialogue like, <laughs> on either side of the book. Yeah, and, and basically, I, like the ending part is like basically says like, okay, Thrawn, now go and basically <coughs> experience what happens during the final season of Rebels. <laughs> so let me ask you this: like, were you were you upset at that that it ended that, and not so much the way it ended? Like, we won't have to spoil that, but like the fact that it didn't explain anything more from the end of like the season four of Rebels. Well, so this is going to get in somewhat to what I'm going to talk about at the very end. If you want to, we can jump into that right now. Well, we'll let's answer this question sure. first, and then we'll do that. All right. I, Connor, I made, a, I made Connor promise me. <laughs> I commanded his allegiance. Otherwise, uh, I'd be treasonous. Yeah. Otherwise, he would be committing treason to the podcast. <laughs> um, that I get to spend a moment doing some speculating because I set out all of the speculation. I'm all about your speculation, uh, a couple buddy. weeks ago. Um, but anyway, the I think the short answer is no, because I think they're going to talk about some of that mm-hmm. down the road. Whether I mean, so one thing I noticed um, in the in one of the descriptions that you read is it's talking about the Thrawn series. They're not necessarily, yes. they don't refer to it as the Thrawn trilogy. Yes. Um, which, I mean, if you're familiar with rebels, you might be asking yourself, well, that doesn't make sense. Like presumably this is it. If he's now going back to Lothal to deal uh, with the events that transpire in the fourth season of rebels. Right. Um, but at the same time, I actually think that, like it's kind of like, even if this is like the last Thrawn book that we get, um, it's like a good place to leave it. I think because it kind of, you know, he looks like he is at this high peak. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Like, I was kind of disheartened just because 
you know what happens. Right. But at the same time, it's like, it, it does leave him in that moment of like, if if the show had never gone on or whatever like that, like, it is open-ended enough where you're like, okay, you know. But honestly, like, having watched the show, it made it that much more impactful because you know what's happening. So it was a good, like, it was a good basis because a year ago, like, when I read Alliances, I hadn't watched season three yet. That uh-huh. was the first season with Ron in it. Yeah. And having just finished Treason, I had finished Rebels prior to it. Yes. So I was fresh with everything yeah. that was going on. So, it's, like, so I think know. the story plays very differently if you just want to read the books mm-hmm. or if you... Have watch. watched Rebels or yeah. want to watch Rebels? I mean, I've, I think I've hopefully haven't spoiled anything. No, we uh, haven't said as much. It's yeah. just it's all speculation. But. And honestly, there's a ton of speculation, and that's kind of what I'm going to get into at this point. Yeah, that's what this show's about, man. Um, Real quick, get the book. It. Yeah, get all three. Yeah. Uh, that I I think this was probably my favorite of the whole series. I agree. Yeah. I, it's my favorite. I would now say this is my favorite of the <laughs> new. Disney canon stories. Alphabet Squadron's back up on the shelf. Yeah, it's back in number two or whatever. (laughs) It's like number two, but like the Aftermath trilogy is like taken in its totality. It would be up there as well. So, All right, hit it, man. Let's speculate. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to kind of read if you happen to be somebody that actually tunes into the Rust Belt Roosters podcast. this, This presentation model will probably sound more familiar since I do more reading on that podcast just because like i write and then i just read what i wrote you want me to give you an intro uh, do, 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 do. thanks you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that i don't make this run any longer because we've already gone decently long this week yeah. yeah this is my grand hypothesis of how the books tie to tv and film consider this an overarching narrative that i don't think will ever be truly fully explained in a cohesive manner uh, but it's sort of like the framing that someone like Pablo Hidalgo, who's the lead of the story group at Lucasfilm, might use to kind of keep things roughly tied together. So the whole point of like this this Thrawn trilogy is that Palpatine has a fascination with the unknown regions, mm-hmm. probably because he's quote unquote adopted some of those behaviors from Darth Kytus, because he's sort of adopted this sense of like being a dark side mystic more so than he previously was ever portrayed as. like a sorcerer. Yes. We've talked about that. Yeah, exactly. I think we talked about it in the last episode actually. Yeah. Um, but once he achieved absolute power and created the empire, he somewhat retreated. He delivered the Sith mandate, but now it was his time to kind of do his own thing. And his own thing was to explore other force users and explore the unknown. Hmm. As such, Thrawn coming to him was viewed as a major boon because I'm sure that as Chancellor and Emperor, he most likely knew of the Chiss and probably even knew that they use Force Sensitives to navigate the Unknown region. He wanted Thrawn to deliver the Chiss Ascendancy to him so that he could explore the Unknown regions with the help of the Skywalkers. Chiss uh, navigators, if you will. Yes, exactly. Or potentially to destroy them because he doesn't like other Force users. Yes. But when Thrawn was taken off the table, that is when Palpatine went to Jakku to found the Observatory, which is a major theme of the Aftermath books, Mm -hmm. at least the third one in particular, and create a functional map of the Unknown Regions. And this is what the First Order was able to use to slip out of the galaxy and grow strong without the New Republic even knowing they were out there. 
It's just crazy. And so obviously from Thrawn's point of view, the Grisk have been a threat to the Chiss for a long time. And as we see in Treason, the Chiss are clearly hamstrung by the same sorts of political infighting that hurt the Republic, the Empire, the New Republic, etc., etc. He turns to the Empire because at least at the surface, they are unstoppable. They control the whole known galaxy. The thing is, though, that with all of this meddling that Palpatine, Thrawn, and the First Order have done in and around the Unknown Regions, it's kind of peeled back the curtain, so to speak, for the Grisk, who have been learning a lot about the Settled Galaxy. This is why I genuinely believe that Snoke is a Grisk, which is something that I talked about last time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily match the appearance of how the Grisk are described, but much like Naminor, another name that I used a long time ago. Yeah. He can somewhat alter his appearance to not look like a typical Grisk and just kind of look like a near-human alien of some sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his force powers could, in fact, be derived from Palpatine's own essence transfer, which is another thing that I kind of brought up. Sorcery Uh, again. Yeah. Uh, It's also possible that there could just be force-sensitive Grisks. I mean, that is... I mean, it's quite literally a big subversion of the EU that there are Chiss that have force powers. Sidebar. Yes. Uh, The force-sensitive Grisk... um... Would you say... Wait, what was I going to say? And like, but so since the Grisk would exist outside of the Jedi-Sith paradigm... They would never have been found. That's and, and, that, and that's why Snoke is not a Sith. Right. He's just a... He's a Skywalker in a sense. Yeah. If, you, if, they, if that's the only way they've and ever Skywalker. phrased... Skywalker. Right. But <laughs> the one thing I was going to ask is the, the way that they kind of describe the Grisk uh, mm-hmm. in both books is the fact... Well, especially in Treason is not so much that they're a species as much as they are a community. Right. So it's 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 several different species held by a, a core species known as the Grisk. So, to go into that, you know, maybe he's not an actual Grisk, but yeah, he's but a Yeah, he is a Grisk. client member. Client or, member. Yeah. Yes. All right, yeah, sorry. That's, that's a phrase they use a lot. <laughs> but anyways, please. The client species. Yes. I, I, I'm digging this. Please continue. Yeah. And so I guess finally, uh, well, to sort of start to put a bow on it further the grisks might have been somewhat scared off by thrawn but i strongly suspect that with the end of rebels uh that could have opened the door wide open for the grisk to kind of make more inroads into the settled part of the galaxy Mm -hmm. as such to me my grand hypotheosis apotheosis that's not right that doesn't matter (laughs) is that whenever they inevitably make the follow-up series to rebels which Hello to there only being two seasons of Star Wars Resistance. Going back to the beginning. Yeah, yes. This is... I'm doing big ring theory right Whoop. now. <laughs> I do suspect it could deal with the Grisk as the bad guy. I like that a lot. I really do. Like, it, it, it makes so much sense. And like I said before already, the Grisk are probably just as big a threat as the Yuuzhan Vong. At least that's what they're starting to project them as. Yeah. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And Timothy Zahn, being who he is, I mean, like he is the core man to go for when it comes to building this world. And if having Pablo Hidalgo help you out with it, come yeah. on. Yeah. Would, Pablo, would you say Pablo is like their Kevin Feige a little bit? Well, yes and no. Like, I think that's like when in a simpler time, I think that is what he was. Yeah. But 
now that like the stories have gone kind of so complex and like you know Kathleen Kennedy kind of was kind of hands off like she kind of wanted the directors of the sequel trilogy to make their own story and so like now like I feel like he's kind of in this weird middle ground where he doesn't have like he doesn't rule with an iron fist like Kevin Feige mm-hmm. but he's still like the guy who's responsible for all of the storylines. So, well, so it's like you're like a middle manager who has to manage up and down and also keep everything all together. Uh, so yeah, like I don't yeah, really yeah. envy his position. No, I know what you mean. I I mean I kind of put him up there with like Dave Floney and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Like he he has the vision, but it's also a collective vision and everything right. like that. So honestly at this point it's just gonna be exciting to see how everything comes down. But I think that would be about it for us. Uh, I loved your hypothesis, and I think that's a good way to end it out. I think a lot of people have something to think about now, myself included. Yes. Uh, this has been one heck of an episode. Like I said, we had a lot to talk about. I know we didn't do a cold open or anything like that, so let's just kind of cut it, clip it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, sharing with friends and family. Thank you guys for subscribing. Yes. Tell some more friends. Tell some more family yeah. about us. You Leave know, you some got more some reviews. Yeah, say get, yeah. Please review the heck out of us. Are we, yeah. are we good? Are we bad? We want to know. We want to make changes. If we're bad, just tell us. Yeah. Don't leave a review because that hurts our ratings. Yeah, exactly. But still, uh, you know, like, subscribe, check us out on Facebook as well as Reggie's. Er, check us out on Apple Podcasts as well as our website Reggie's House Podcast slash Greedo Shot First. And while you're there, please check out Games in That Podcast as well as the Rust Belt Wristers and just have a good time, man. Uh, I. I can't wait to come back and start, you know, getting back into what we had because we had a lot to talk about. We didn't get the chance to cover it all, dude. Yes. Yeah. Like Hopefully, all- I mean, truly, I can see a situation where we're going to come back and we're going to like just be talking D23 next week. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. But in any case, I know that I had a great time. Did you have a good time? It was a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was. <laughs>